What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball Podcast. I am your host, Trill Bro Dude. And today, before we get into anything else, as always, I would like to talk to you about our sponsors from Underdog Fantasy, the newest and best place to play fantasy sports and win big prizes. Right now, you can sign up prior to the All-Star break for Underdog using our promo code SLOP. That's S-L-O-P. We obviously won't have basketball for a week, but in the coming weeks leading up to the playoffs, you can do their pick em. If you are in a pick'em state, go higher or lower on your favorite player stats and win up to 20 times your money on any given night. And in addition to that, you can also do their fantasy drafts, which are a ton of fun. We've been doing them all throughout the season. We did them for the NFL as well. So if you've not signed up already, please check that out. The link is in the description. And you can always use our promo code SLOP. Oh, in addition to that, we actually, I forgot to say, the slop contest ended and we had our winners. So if you're listening and you haven't gotten your funds yet, let me know. But uh, congrats to I Matthias, Twain12, and Twanathan for you, the winners of our first ever uh, slop season contest. Uh, actually, the, the highest one got two trades right which I was surprised by. Uh, most people got the Mike Conley. The, the two that were the most popular were Jay Crowder to the Bucks because there was whispers about that for months, mm. and Mike Conley to the Wolves. And we're going to talk today about Mike Conley to the Wolves. But before we get into that, um, let's talk a little bit about the acquisition of Kyrie Irving, who has now played a few games for the Mavericks. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, he got to play his first two games with Luka, uh, coming most recently against... Mike Conley and the Wolves. So, Sam, you caught one of these games that they played recently. Uh, what have you thought about the Kyrie and Luca duo so far? Um, you know, I, I guess my thing, I it, I've pretty much seen what I thought. Where it's like I, I don't really know if it's a problem with Kyrie and Luca so much as it just is like there's nothing around them, in particularly on the defensive end. And like I noticed that quite a bit, like when I watched these guys like play. Shocker! <laughs> yeah, I would say it's a uh, surprising that that's like what uh, jumps out to me. What uh, we all thought was exactly was go what was going to happen. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I know it hasn't been like perfect thus far. Um, I was almost more impressed by like the games that Kyrie like played without Luca, which like not a great sign. Yeah, not a great sign. Um. But, you know, like, I think that Kyrie is in get paid mode right now. So, like, I think that I would be less worried about this if it weren't his first year versus, like, if it's next year. <laughs> he has to, like, when he's, like, signed a max contract and he, if he's, like, still here in Dallas, like, and how are, like, he and Luca going to figure it out? I mean... I guess, like, all the things we talked about on Monday when we were saying, like, wow, it's so impressive. Kyrie's a basketball savant. Like, you know, that's great. And then it's, like, the fact that it, like, looks worse with, like, arguably one of the five best <laughs> players in the NBA. Like, that's not great. You know, that's just not, like, a great sign for them. I still think, like, you know, I've been pretty harsh on the Mavericks. But, I mean, the West is less dog shit now. But I still think they might have the goods to, like, win a playoff series. And, like, when you have Luka Doncic, you can still, like, put a scare on anybody, like, bar none in the next round. So, you know, I, I still don't think they're, like – it's not, like, a dis unmitigated disaster, but I still do think we are on track for the um, Luka Doncic uh, trade request speed run. <laughs> 
you know, 2026 here or 2025. So it's just the beginning, baby. Yeah. So, um, so I guess kind of just going off of, uh, of some of the points that you said, the context is important in that Luca is coming off an injury and yeah. I'm not in any place to fat shame anyone or talk about, say, but, but he, I mean, he looks out of shape. Like, yeah. like, uh, like so far he, he looks out of shape and uh, you know, he, he's coming off of a, a, a lower body injury. It will take him a little bit of time to get up to speed. But having said that, I feel a little bit vindicated on how I felt a week ago when this trade went down a little over a week ago now, which is basically that, I feel like the Mavs should have been going all in. I feel like if you trade for Kyrie Irving, that the, the clock starts. The second you trade for Kyrie Irving, the clock starts on him being unhappy. The clock starts on him causing whatever issues. And within a year or two, it always sours. That's just what has happened with Kyrie ever since he left Cleveland, really. So if that is the case, then I think that they... Like you just said, like, oh, well, if he signs a max contract this offseason, even if he signs the max contract, the clock is ticking because I'm not just looking at it as these next six months or whatever, four months with the rest of the regular season and the playoffs. I'm looking at it as you need to make your all in moves now because you never know when Kyrie's going to sour and then it's over. So. That is part of the reason why I didn't really understand why they, other than the Kyrie move, they stood totally pat at the deadline. They didn't make any major moves. They got Justin Holiday on a buyout, and he might help a little bit, but he's had a really bad year so far. I wouldn't really count on any buyout guys, and that's something we'll talk about later in this episode. But my whole thing on this is like, let's talk about the defensive guys that they could have went out and gotten help. Because the, right now, the defense looks so bad. I mean, the shot making is insane. Kyrie and Luka at, down the stretch of that Wolves game was about as good of shot making from an individual standpoint that you will see in the NBA. And these guys can do this on any given night, and which is always going to give them a chance. Kind of similarly to how, you know, obviously they're much more talented than the Kings top guys, but the Kings scoring in the 120s is going to give them a chance on any given night. But when you face against elite talent in the playoffs, when you're going up against Jokic and KD now on the Suns and the Clippers and those kind of teams, obviously Luka has the chance to be the best player on the floor, but your defensive issues are obviously going to be there. I think that it will get better as Luka gets in shape. I think it will get better the more they play together. And I think the intensity level will go up in the playoffs, similarly to how it got went up in the fourth quarter the other night, and they were able to slow down Minnesota a little bit uh, on offense. But I just look at this like, look at all of the defensive guys that moved at this deadline. And the guys that we know were gettable in addition to that, too. Like, I don't think they had enough to get OG Ananobi. But the other guys that were available were like Thibel, Crowder, McDaniels, Baisley, Jakob Pertl, Josh Richardson. Mobamba isn't the greatest defender in the world, but he at least will bring you some shot blocking. And they have a situation now where their three best players are all either neutral or negative on defense with Christian Wood, Luka, and Kyrie. And when those guys play up to the level that they can and the communication gets better, I think it will be they'll be more closer to passable on defense. But I think that they will have some issues not being able to play their best guys together. And we already knew this before they traded for Kyrie. 
So I'm not going to overreact to the first two games, especially as someone points out in the comments, they are getting Maxi Kleba back, which is going to be huge for them because he yeah. has been, he's probably the best defender all around on the team right now. And I think that will help a lot. I'm not saying it won't, but I am a little bit worried that when you get into the playoffs, like they don't have a ton of, they have no size on the wing basically, except for Luca, who's not going to lock anyone down, obviously. No, he will not. No, no. And yeah. Uh, you're basically hoping that uh, you can kind of string together these units, these rotations that will hold up defensively, and then just hope that the sh- the insane shot making, playmaking, shooting from Kyrie and Luca will bail you out. And I still feel like they just didn't go far enough in on this deadline for me to take them seriously as a team that can win the finals this year. Yeah, I just yeah, I mean, and <clears throat> I guess to be fair, like they only have like what one to two more first round picks. I guess you can get creative with like pick swaps and stuff like that. But like, I think, I think your point about like, you know, what other guys like went for at this deadline is an important one. Cause I like, I feel like we kind of kept saying on the run up, or at least I kept saying it, that like, it's going to be a seller's market. It's going to be a seller's market. Everybody's buying, nobody's selling. And then like, I was pretty underwhelmed by the pricing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like not a lot of first round picks, went around at the trade deadline, you know? Okay. So if you take out the KD trade and the Kyrie trade, which were star trades, they're, they're always going to involve first round picks. There were two first round picks moved, Josh Hart, Yaka Pirtle. And then the third was a swap in the Eric Gordon trade, which moved them up a few spots. So that's really, and the Lakers. And the Lakers. Oh, the Lakers as well. Yes, yeah. yeah. But which kind of might be a fake one, but either way. It's exactly. Heavily yeah, protected first. And so was the Knicks one. Like, the Knicks one is lottery yeah. protected. If the Knicks, if the bottom falls out and they miss the playoffs, those turn into second round picks. So, so it's like, really just no- the Raptors, which is so fucking funny. Like, <laughs> god damn. Like, that this trade sucked. God. <laughs> I, I like, like Jakob Pertle too. But he like, played great last night. Yeah, like, Anyway, um, but I, I guess my point is just like to your point though, like they could have, there were the, the price was not exorbitant to get better. You know what I'm saying? They could have gotten cheap help on the wing. Like we talked about Thibault's fit, like how that would have been a good one for the Mavericks. Um, I think it would have been pretty easy for them to get in that trade that sent him to Portland. Like not a lot, you know. That that was a pretty that could have been done with anyone basically with you two know, second round picks. Two, yeah, so. I don't know. I I just think I think it kind of smacks to me of Dallas knows they're fucked. Um, if you give up all your shit at once, everyone comes to the conclusion you're fucked earlier. Versus like you can tell, well, well, we still got some picks. We can we'll hold on. We can get some guys, you know. And you just tease that out over a few years, and you know you're not in the Lakers situation where everyone's like, oh, holy shit. Right. You have no way to get better. Like, yeah. you know, like versus like if you tease it out, nobody realizes that you're fucked for like years and years and years. Uh, the Toronto Raptors style <laughs> of pre Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway. It's, it's, it's basically now they're in a position where they're just hoping that the high end talent wins. And now with the KD and the sun situation, it feels like the high-end talent is better there. So yeah. so, so you're, so really what it comes down to is kind of uh, th- this. I, I think that every team in the West is banking on this to some point of 
maybe except for the Clippers, even though I'm just like kind of out on the Clippers and I'm kind of out on the Grizz as like a real contender in this West and the Pelicans because of health issues. But like to me, the three teams that I look at, uh, you know, look, the Clippers could turn around, but I just I don't really trust them. But the, the three teams that I look at are Denver, Phoenix and Dallas when it's seemingly pretty open to, you know, because, you know, you have chemistry with the Suns, you have really, they're only going to be able to play like 10 to 15 games together probably by the end of the season. They're going to have to figure some stuff out on the fly. I think that the, them and Denver should be the favorites, but mm-hmm. most of these teams are built on the concept of having elite, elite offenses. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe Denver might run into some matchup issues, whether they play the Suns or the Mavericks, defending the pick and roll and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it feels like Denver's and Phoenix's two-way concept makes sense to me more on paper than Dallas's does. For sure. And like the defensive players that they have put around Jokic to allow them to get to that level because Jokic can really bring some offensively limited players to another level. And then the Suns just like, I saw, I don't know if you caught this, but Coach Thorpe had that article, which was uh, basically, uh, did you see it? Yeah. Yeah. So he was talking about how they sacrificed defense, giving up Mikhail Bridges and, Cam Johnson for Kevin Durant when Kevin Dave Durant Steve, dog shit defender the NBA a better defender than Mikhail Bridges like in the playoffs like honestly like pound for pound like he's huge he's seven yeah. feet tall like I know Mikhail Bridges is a great defender but like Katie's enormous like he's really underrated as a defender like, he's not gonna lock anyone down on the perimeter but if you have him and DeAndre Ayton protecting the rim on the back line like that's about as useful as you can you can get in a playoff matchup. Like we've seen Kevin Durant do this. Now, I don't think that he's quite the level of defender he was before, but he's still a really, really good defender. And if that is the case, I think Booker's improved as a defender. Chris Paul will always just be a solid defender due to the smarts, even if he's lost a little bit of a step. Aiton, when he actually gives a shit, is a very good defender. And then pretty much everyone else in their rotation, except for like Landry Shamit, is an average defender and above. And that two-way concept makes way more sense to me than what the Mavs are trying to do now, not having made these moves. And the only question mark with Denver is, can you avoid Jokic getting getting burnt by these jump shooters in these matchups with Luka and Kyrie and with KD and Booker? And I think that there are ways to scheme around that a little bit in a way that I'm just concerned with the Mavericks. Unless, like, you know, Maxi Kleber coming back will definitely help, but he needs to be... In, he has two injuries he's coming off of. He, he's, he had two injuries at one time. And as we know, a lot of the times, and I know this as a Sixers fan, guys come back from injury and you just expect them to plug in and go. And that's not really how it works. So I'm I'm definitely a little bit lower on... I'm not going to freak out over two games and say they're completely cooked, but I feel a little bit vindicated on how I felt about them needing to push in the chips more. And I'm not like completely out on them as winning like you said a round or two because i think that the high-end talent the right matchup the health stuff like you could probably get back to the western conference finals if things break your way but it's going to be really tough to have that kind of level of playoff defense when you know it's other teams have kind of at least solved some of the issues that they have on that end like denver has this year yeah i just don't think I, I, I'm a little lower on that. I, I don't think they're like, I think they're honestly, I think they're on the lower end of the tier below. Like I have Phoenix and Denver as okay. the class of the West right now. Um, 
I honestly, as much as I've been shitting on them, like I think the Grizzlies, Pelicans, even with their injuries, like um, I don't know they're they're on a slide, but like if they get healthy, I think they're kind of in that next tier. I don't know if like if the Pelicans are healthy, are like is like Dallas going to beat them? I just don't think the Pelicans are going to be healthy. Is my thing. Like the Zion having a hamstring injury is like the worst injury he could possibly have because he is, he's already re-aggravated it once. It's Mm -hmm. he's already struggled with these kind of soft tissue injuries early in his career. And I just don't trust him to be fully healthy. Even without Zion, I think that they're going to be an annoying team to play, but we saw in the playoffs last year that that I, and I think they're better this year without Zion, but like that has a ceiling to it for sure for me. And I, in any series that Luca goes into, and I know you've been a bigger doubter of the Grizzlies this year than I have, yeah. but I've watched their half-court offense, and I'm thinking about a, a series where Steven Adams can't play because yeah. Kyrie and Luca are just fucking playing him off the court. And if that is the case, then I would be very low on the Grizzlies' chances in any series with Luka uh, Doncic in it. But, but here's my thing, though, is how are they going to play him off the court? Because, like... They don't have like you need to have threats elsewhere or a big guy who can do anything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I just well, Minnesota played him off the court last year mainly with just spacing him out. I, yeah, but that Minnesota team had more talent than this. They had Cat. Like they yeah, had... but they didn't have the t- Cat played like shit in a good chunk of that series. Like I sure, but like I I don't know. They had they they had real players. They had Jared Vanderbilt. They had Malik Beasley. They had um, D'Angelo Russell. They had. Um, uh anthony edwards like we're talking about like tim hardaway jr <laughs> like you is know. tim hardaway jr any worse than than malik beasley let's be yes. honest yes i don't think so malik beasley is one of the worst defenders in the nba tim hardaway jr is not good shoot, but he can shoot though so can like, tim hardaway jr he's he's a much more dynamic he's a much more dynamic shooter i would say I, I'm saying I don't buy any of the way that those guys played in that Minnesota series, D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns. I think there is a way to play Steven Adams off the court in that series, as Luca has with many big men in so far in his career. Like Luca himself being, and especially because when you get into the playoffs, his for some reason, Luca shoots 30% from three in the regular season and then shoots like 37% on pull-ups in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, like, it's yeah, just like he gives a shit about it and then he's just yeah. automatically. So like, that's where I would get. Now look, they might get dominated on the glass because Steven Adams, one of the best defenders of uh, one, one of the best defensive rebounders of all time. He is someone that could uh, present a wrinkle that is that's that harms them. But recent history has shown that drop center big men, it's. I think it's literally every drop big man except for Joel Embiid. Their defensive rating is better when they're on the bench. Even the bet, even like the Brook Lopez's, because they can go small with Giannis. Even some of these centers that are like really, really good offensively in the regular season, drop centers just aren't as useful in the playoffs. Joel is almost Gobert. Like I, I'm pretty sure Joel's the only one that defensively the rating is actually better when he's on the court. Uh, than when he's off so that's I'm just speaking generally on drop centers so like I I, I don't know I I look at it as like it's going to be a matchup thing for all these teams yeah and I think that the Mavericks actually match up pretty well with the Grizzlies in a way that I don't really like and I can see them even matching I think that Denver's way better than them I think Denver just has more talent and I think that's why Denver would win that series but I could see them giving Jokic trouble in that series and 
I don't like if the Suns and Mavs played, I think the Suns would would win easily if they're mm-hmm. healthy. Um, and I think that I, I I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Luka Doncic a chance against anyone else though. Like that's kind of how I feel. It's like I'm just never gonna sell short on Luka's playoff level that he can reach. I'm I'm genuinely concerned. There's a some of the p- parts thing here with the Mavericks. Like yeah. where I don't know if Kyrie Irving is the best teammate to have with a Luka Doncic like hyper dominant. Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic. He moves to Philly and that's his name. Luka Doncic. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. You fucking. Yeah. Yo, that's Luka, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. Like honestly, if it was Kings Mavericks, I don't know who I'm picking. No, enough. I, I enough. I, I think people are sleeping on the Kings. I I I don't know. Like I will put I will put I will put money Sabonis? on it right now. Who's stopping Sabonis? Yeah. If if Luka Doncic is fully healthy in a Kings series, he will average okay. forty five points a game. I will put money on it right now that the Mavericks. I'm telling you, Luca gets to the playoffs and he's a, what a top three, top five player. Like, absolutely, totally agreed, totally agreed. Who else? I, are you doing the Verno thing right now? Where it's like, did you hear what Verno did the other day? No, where you? with what the Suns, he was like, I I just don't know how you get to like you got to score one ten in the modern NBA. He's yeah. like, let's say Kevin Durant gives you thirty, Devin Booker gives you thirty. Where are you getting the other points from? Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, okay, let's say those guys can get you to what? 40 more? You still got to get to that 110 mark. And then last night without KD, they scored 120. I just love that we're still doing adding up points. from God. As if there isn't like variance given game to game and strategies sure. that you could get around. And like, I, just, I just think, I just think that Mavs team was already operating on such a absolute bare minimum. And Dorian Finney-Smith was so important to, like, everything there. And yeah. he sold out for Kyrie there, which, again, at 98% of the time, that's the right move. Like, yep. you know. Yeah, backing up your point yeah. right now, do the yeah, Mavs have yeah. any winger forward who can play the four? I just They're I, probably going to have to play bigger. They're probably going to have to start two bigs. And, and like, look, I get the defense, like, the, the, the old NBA Reddit joke, PJ Tuckin is a LeBron stopper, like, you know, like, th- th- sure. that is one of those stupidest things to be like, who's stopping so-and-so? And the answer right. is no one for no. all of these guys. Exactly. So, right. So what does it matter? But there is, like, something to being, like, less combustible. Like, sure. everyone gives me shit for, like, defending Grant Williams. And it's like, yeah, Giannis put 30 on him. And I'm like, yeah. 30 on him on like 26 shots. Like that's the important part. Like, you, you know, I I don't know. I just, I'm much lower on the Mavericks overall ceiling. I I totally concede that like Luca can go off, but I think they're more in a position where they need Luca to be absolutely transcendent and dominant just to get one playoff win, let alone two. Like, well, and, and and that's how it was before last year was yeah. that they couldn't even get a playoff win despite Luca going into God mode. So yeah. maybe you're right. Maybe that that is that that's the thing is that the the pieces just don't really fit mm-hmm. uh, around him, and that uh, they'll have to retool in the off season and hope that Kyrie stays. Which I don't know. That's a little bit of a uh, fucking <laughs> double edged sword there. Yeah. Like, do you want you don't want Kyrie to leave for nothing, but you also don't want to sign Kyrie maybe, to a big deal. Maybe that's their plan. To be like, ah, Kyrie get D'Angelo Russell. No, we gotta trade Luca now, where he's at the height of his value. We just, you know, oh god, no uh, way. uh, 
All right. Well, you can't get mad at us because we tried. So, uh, yeah. Oops. Yeah. We just had to. He asked out. What are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm with you in that regard, but I, I, I do think that uh, I'm, I'm definitely not with you with uh, Luca asking out, but I, I'm with you in that if they get to the end of the year and Kyrie wants to go to Phoenix or LA, they'll probably try to squeeze something out of Like they could squeeze something out of a team that doesn't have an easy road to cap space. The problem is the Lakers could actually get that cap space and just straight up sign him. So maybe that is, maybe they screwed themselves. Like you said, when they made the trade. So we'll see. Um, so this is the end of the free portion. If you want to hear us talk about the other new players on their teams, like Mike Conley on the Wolves, D'Angelo Russell, and others on the Lakers, Matisse Thibel on the Blazers, Jaden McDaniels on the Sixers, Mike Muscala on the Celtics, and then we're going to talk about the history of the buyout market and whether it actually matters or not. So if you want that subscription down below, subscribe to the You Know Ball Patreon, and you can hear the entire episode. So 